Thank you, Joe. And it's a privilege to speak to you this morning. So um, I really want to thank Ward, Pastor Ward, wherever he is. Probably in the surf roundabout now, I should imagine. Hopefully. <laughs> the house you live in is just a building. But once you choose it, it becomes your home. Now, the church you attend is just a building. But once you choose it, it becomes your spiritual home. And there's a world of difference between a building and a home. Huge difference. Now, I love this church. This is a good church. This is not a perfect church. But I always say if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it because you're not perfect. (laughs) But I really want this church to be the kind of place where people discover real love. The kind of love that Jesus was talking about when he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Wow. The kind of love that transforms you from who you are right now into who God created you to be. But creating that, that sense of home and that kind of authenticity, that's going to take some work. That's a challenge. And it's a choice that we make. So my first point is choose love. Choose love. Now, I've been in quite a few different denominations in my life, probably about seven. Um, And each one has its own sense of home. That makes me sound like a church hopper, doesn't it? It's a long story, anyway. Uh, And each one has its own sort of sense of home and what that looks like. But I grew up um, Catholic, but my parents were like hippies. So they were charismatic Catholics who owned a combi van and seven children. Can you just picture that for a moment? So, but they really taught me that your home can be a church. The church is wherever you are. They would pick up hitchhikers off the side of the street and evangelize them over the dinner table. And, and I'd go to bed at night listening to, you know, the prayer meeting and the tongues. And, and it sounds really idyllic, but it actually wasn't an easy way to live. And it was a conscious choice on their behalf to continue to choose to live that way. Now, God actually commands us to love him in uh, Exodus 20, and he also commands us to love one another. Now, if, if it's something that you command, then love cannot be a feeling. Love's a choice, and also love's a person. So if we choose to love, we confirm that God is our Lord and that we are actually his disciples. Now, I remember a young mother coming to me a couple of years ago, and she um, was really confessing to me. She was really distraught, and she had come to the conclusion that she said to me, Liz, I don't love my, my child. And she was absolutely distraught. And I said, okay, well, tell me about the last couple of days with your, with your little girl. And she said, okay. Right, so we get up in the morning, and... Uh, Right, I get a breakfast. I said, right, what's, what does she have for breakfast? Oh, well, she won't eat this and she won't eat that, but I wanted to be healthy, so I give her, you know, like this muesli thing, I mix them in, right? Okay, okay, right, and then what do you do? Right, well, I get her dressed. What, and what? Well, the clothes of, you know, the clothes and the, what, rags? No, I've washed them and everything. She won't wear skirts, so she'll only wear pants, so we have to wear pants. I said, then what do you do? Well, I take her to school. What, and you just throw her out of the car? <laughs> she says, no, no, I give her a kiss and say, have a good day, and I'll see you after school. And she said, and then I go home, and I'm just depressed. I feel awful because I don't love my child. And I said, you do all of that, feeling like that, that is incredible love. 
to actually continue to do that day after day, feeling like you do. Sorry, it brings tears to my eyes when I remember her face. Because that's real love. Love is a choice that you make. And we're going to have people coming to this church, and we're going to see new people come every week. And we're going to have to choose to love them. And they're going to have to figure out if they want to choose to love this church. And our actions, our choices are going to make the difference between whether they feel that this is their spiritual home or it's not. Um, We have a choice to accept, to invite, to include other people as they come. I remember when I first joined the church, um, I probably put on a pretty good face, but I really didn't feel like I fit in. Um, I didn't really feel like anybody got me. It took the longest time until I felt like people got my sense of humor and just, I don't know, I felt like maybe I'm just a little bit weird or something. And just didn't feel like people really got my intentions or whether they were read right. It was just uncomfortable. So I used to... Um, complain in prayer. (laughs) The Bible says, pour out your complaint before God, and I've certainly lived out that scripture. (laughs) And sometimes he'd give me a little tap, you know, and tell me to watch my attitude and don't talk about my my dear children that way. But I also learned over a period of time to ask him for that love. I actually learned to ask him and say, Lord, help me to love where you've put me. Help me to love this church and make that love real. And authentic, not just something I, I'm just putting on, but something that's real to me. And also help me to love the people who are around me, the people that you've put in my world. Um, I want to actually feel that. I want to know that that's authentic and not just something I'm putting on. Um, because love is a choice and you follow it up with action. Love is a choice and feelings follow where choices lead. Right? So the feelings follow where your choice to love will lead. So that's my point. First point is choose to love. I don't know if you've noticed this, but church can be quite challenging. (laughs) Um, It's not really a social club so much as it is a spiritual school. And we all hope that when we join a church, it's all going to be all lovey-dovey and everyone's going to be so nice. And But my experience in, in a lot of different churches is that's not actually how church goes, generally speaking, for a lot of people. And um, it's kind of comforting when you read the Bible stories. That's how it goes for them too. Like they start off on this great epic journey and then they kind of screw it up in the middle. And then somewhere at the end there, God kind of brings it all together and it all works out. And you go, wow, how did you do that? Not just because of what they did, but actually sometimes despite what they did. And that comforts me hugely to know that it doesn't matter if that's not the plan, if it's not our plan. The series that we're actually in at the moment is called... um, there's room at the inn. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about Mary in that moment, right, when she gets to the inn and she finds out there's no room there. So there she is, right? She's, she's been, she's had this whole expectation where she's met the angel and the angel's told her she's going to give birth to God, right? So she's got a pretty good expectation things are going to go as planned. It's God, and then she gets it, does what all mothers do and makes a plan and she gets her birth plan ready and she's got the midwife and she's got the room, she's got the baby clothes, she's got a plan. And then she's as big as a house, right? And she's, and she's told that she's going to have to get on a donkey, a donkey, and travel away from her home, away from everything she knows, away from the midwife, away from the, everything, her friends, every support system she's got, and go and give birth in a foreign place. Okay, so she gets there. She gets down off the donkey. She's at the local Holiday Inn and she's knocking on the door and they say, 
Sorry, there's no room. Seriously? Oh, I just reckon at that moment, having a hormonal hissy fit would have been totally fine. I think that should have been written into the scripture. Because <laughs> seriously, at that moment, you'd be going, this is not the plan. This is God's... Did, did nobody tell you this is God's child being born here? Seriously. This is not what I expected. But she didn't. She got back on the donkey, went and had her firstborn son in a dirty old stable. And that brings me to my second point, choose to persevere. There's a scripture that says, in Romans 5.3, it says, We also rejoice, rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us. I hate to break it to you, but church is full of imperfect people, and church does not go to plan. And when we come into church expecting Christians to be perfect, when the only one that's perfect is Jesus, we're going to get disappointed. If we come in with an expectation, you know, that the church is going to be lovely, and then we find out after a while, these people are sinners, and their sins are worse than mine. Oh, I mean, it's really easy to get into a judgmental head, headset and just sort of think, well, I'm just giving up on church. These people are hypocrites. And you, you can leave the church at that point. You can, or you can become a pew sitter where you just sort of sit back and you don't really get involved. You don't, you don't have real relationships. There's nothing really real about it. Now, if I did this with my children, imagine. I, my children go off to school and they come home and they tell me, Oh, I'm being bullied, like that's the key word at the moment. And, you know, somebody took my ball and somebody was mean to me. And, like, if I went marching down to that school, you know, I grab that kid by the scruff of the neck and don't you teach my child like that, and go in and go teach a conference and tell them they don't know what they're doing and they should be doing a better job and go and talk to the parents and tell them they need to raise their children better. But I don't. I sit my kids down and I say, right, what are we going to do about this? How are you going to deal with this? And yeah, there are times you've got to go and talk to somebody, deal with situations, and I'm not talking about abusive. Like if it's abusive, deal with it. Absolutely, I'm not talking about that. But I am saying that people do need to learn to persevere like children do in order to grow character and in order to grow up. Okay? And nobody wants, you know, disagreements and conflicts. Like none of us do. We don't all go to church and go, yeah, let's disagree with somebody. Let's feel really... You know, but that's how we get depth as a church. That's how we grow character through the tough thing. And this church has been through some tough stuff, and it's made us so much better. It really has. This is a rocking church. This is a really good church. But perseverance is when you're stretched and you're tried and you're hurt and you still get back up on the donkey. There's a scripture that says, "All things work together for good for those who love the Lord." It doesn't say all good things work together for those who love the Lord. It says all things work together for those who love the Lord. But only if you persevere. So you've got suffering, perseverance, character, then hope. If you get stuck in the suffering, you don't move into the perseverance, then you don't get the character and you don't get the hope. So choose to persevere. That's my second point. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, John. Um, at Christmas, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and kind of self-involved. Like, you know, it's kids and it's presents and it, there's a lot going on. I, that, that's fair enough. And you sort of, you know, you can get a little bit protective of yourself and what you need to do. But I'm just so proud of our church, the fact that we did those incredible hampers. I don't know if you've seen the photos, but man, our church just understands 
that Christmas is about thinking about other people who are doing it tough. We, we do that really well. I'm proud of us. It's beautiful because that is the point of Christmas. It is about other people. And that is my third point, which is choose others. At the center of everything we believe is Jesus. And Christmas is all about the fact that his gift to us was the fact that he was born, that he chose us. He's the ultimate example of choosing others above yourself. But when Jesus came, he taught us a different kind of wisdom than that of the world. The world would, the, the, you know, the scripture says, love one another as you love yourself. The world says, if you don't look after number one, nobody else will. Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, Matthew sixteen twenty five, And the world says, whoever loses his life is a loser. We choose to put aside our ambitions and focus on that principle of others versus self, or even others as well as self. The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added onto you. So the cool thing is when you make that choice, you actually do end up getting everything God planned for you all along. That's, that's amazing to me, but that's actually, when you believe in the way that the kingdom of God operates and you work under those rules, it really does work. It really does work because the kingdom of the world will lead you to disappointment. So we have a choice whether we're going to live in that reality and whether we're going to believe that scripture. And it sometimes feels like a bit of a risk to make that choice of others versus our own feelings. I remember um, I was in my parents' home about 14 years ago and my parents had a respite home for the mentally ill. And so I would, I write music and I'd go and when I was asked to go and sing some songs for them. And I was very comfortable doing that. And a lady had asked me to go, so I was there and I sang my nice little songs and I was happy. And then I really felt like I was supposed to start ministering to her in music. So just play music, which is not my forte. And I thought, really? Oh, really? What's she going to think if I just start playing music like I'm some maestro or something? And she's going to sit there and think, you ain't all of that. You just ain't all of that. Um, so I'm going, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. So I start playing for all I'm worth and my heart's in it. And then I could see she was obviously having a reaction to it. And I was thinking, I don't know if this is good or bad. <laughs> she's crying because my music's so, I'm playing so bad. Um, but then I got to the end and I felt this little prompting in my heart. And I went, oh, no, I can't say that. So I turned to her and I said, well, I really felt like that piece of music I played was about angels dancing. Angels dancing, seriously. I thought, no, <laughs> like that's not going to mean anything. I thought, well, you know, you've got to take a risk sometimes for somebody else, for the possibility of somebody else getting something out of it. And um, then I found out that her mental illness had begun when her daughter had died. And while I was playing, ugh, try to get through this without crying. Um, when I was playing the music, she saw her little girl as an angel dancing in heaven. And when I said angels dancing, she lost it. Now, I didn't really do anything much more than just take a risk and risk looking a little bit stupid. What I did wasn't extraordinary. And God doesn't necessarily ask you to do things that are really extraordinary. They can just be regular things to you. Or they can be things that are a little bit of a risk to you. And it doesn't have to be what I do. It can be what you do. Whatever it is you do. If it's doing somebody's finances, that can be the thing. You can really touch somebody's heart. Because kindness in and of itself is extremely powerful. Especially at Christmas. Extremely powerful. 
um, just a smile or a hello or a little gift or just a thinking of somebody. The fact that you really thought of them means all, just the world to somebody. Because Christmas is, as I said, Christmas is about the fact that Jesus chose us. And I would really encourage you to, from time to time, meditate on that concept that Jesus chose us and feel real and deep gratitude that he put us first. And he did not have to. He left heaven. He left perfect. He left perfect love, perfect peace, perfect relationship. He had all of that. He didn't need anything else. But he chose. And it, the, the word says, for the joy, of the, the joy before him, he suffered the cross. We are the joy set before him. We are. We're his joy. That's incredible to me. Because of that, he chose love. And even when he, his friends and even his family, actually, really let him down, he actually chose, no, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And even when God asked him to die in a horrendous fashion... He chose us and not himself. He said, your will be done, God, not mine. Not for my benefit, but for the benefit of others. Because that's who he is. That's actually who he is. He is love. He is the person of love. He is the personification of it. And I really hope that together we can build a church that represents that, that really honours who he is, and that really reflects the love that he showed to us. So let's bow our heads for a minute. Let's just be grateful right here and right now that Jesus made that choice. Oh, he just loves you so much. And he chose you even before time began. He chose you and he planned that you would be right here and right now. And he made a choice to love you and to die for you. And if you've never made that choice, to choose him, then today's your day. I want to give you that opportunity to choose him, to make a relationship with him. And if you want to know that God I'm talking about, that God who is love, then I just ask you, raise your hand right now and acknowledge that you want that. That you want to have that personal relationship with him, that God of love. And then you can just put your hand down and we'll pray after the service. Because I want you to know that, Jesus. Or if you've made that commitment before, and you know that you've moved away from it, you're not where you're supposed to be with him, but you want to be. You really want to be back in his arms. You really want to be close to Jesus again. You just want to do it his way. Then I really just encourage you to raise your hand and acknowledge that to him. And don't miss an opportunity to stay in right relationship with him. Because Christmas is coming up. This is a precious time of acknowledging what he did. And you don't know the number of your days. So if you're not 100% sure that you're saved, if you're not absolutely convinced that you're saved and you know you're going to heaven and you want to be sure today, you want to be 100% sure, then I encourage you to raise your hand as well. If you just need to confirm between you and God that you are saved, you are going to heaven, then just raise your hand. Praise you, God. For this beautiful community 
of Christ that we have created here in your name. God, we pray that we would honour you. We pray that we would choose love, Lord. Choose you every day because you're more than enough. You give back so much more than we could ever imagine, God. We thank you for that incredible love, that incredible gift that you've given. It's to your glory that that the church is being built, Lord. It's to your honour. And we just love you today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.